Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to a very special Coleman Had a Dream podcast. Uh, we are going to be looking at the squad, which has just been released. We're recording it kind of as it's as it's happened, so kind of live reaction, if you like. Um, I am joined as ever by Ruth. Hi, Ruth. How are you? All right. Yeah, I'm enjoying the fact that we're recording at a civilised hour for me and not first thing in the morning. <laughs> I know, but it's a less civilised hour for me. That's the problem. <laughs> I, I, unfortunately, the, the pub we go to down the road, the, the girls who run it asked us to go back to their house for a few drinks afterwards. And I went and we were out till four o'clock in the morning, which is something I haven't done for years and years and years. So the fact that we are now doing this at half past nine uh, makes me feel like I'm doing it at midnight, um, which is obviously not the case. Um I think I suppose the first one, Ruth, is I, I guess this is kind of everything's just getting a bit exciting now, isn't it? It does. It does feel like the the realities here. I think when I started to see photos coming back from Portugal and the and the camp there, um, it was like, oh, okay, yeah, we're we're getting close. It's a couple of weeks away now, and I, I think that was a that kind of shot of a, adrenaline excitement that I needed. That we that yeah we're. we're the, the tournament's actually going to happen. I know we've all got our concerns about the process and whether it should even be going on and how it's going on and all that sort of thing. But um, there's that little sort of fisson of, of energy starting to develop, isn't it? And it's it's not what it should be, but at least we're moving in the right direction. Fisson of energy. I'll tell you what. Put <laughs> you that, like that? I did like that. Let's put that on a t-shirt. I'll tell you that. Look at that. Um, yeah, so I, I agree with you. It is a bit different. It is a bit weird, but I think we are, you know, I don't think we're ever going to be able to turn our nose up at a football tournament, are we, that, that Wales have done so well to qualify for. So even though it's not necessarily uh, everything we thought it might be, I think there's still a huge amount to enjoy. Um, we also have, after this announcement, uh, quite a lot to talk about as well, to be fair. Um, everyone has been doing their, you know, their squads and their ideas and who'll get in and who'll miss out. I am fairly confident that I didn't see anyone's that had a 26-man squad that didn't have Lockyer Lawrence, uh, Matondo, but did have Reuben Colwell and, of course, I'm plugging because my mind's gone completely blank. And Dylan Levitt. <laughs> Dylan Levitt. There we go. <laughs> God, this is only the first five minutes as well. We're three, yeah, not even, we're three minutes in, and I'm so tired that uh, yeah, I just I don't think I can ever be a rock and roll star, Ruth. I like one one late night, and it's half past nine, and I'm absolutely useless. I can't even speak. Anyway, uh, at that one, in fact, that I'm not very good at music. Um, I digress. So to to let's kind of go through this in a in a in a step by step way. Um, before we do, I just want to have a, a bit of a a mention of our Game of Willard, uh, international football magazine. That is the the get the magazine is currently out at the moment in the build up to the France and Albania games, which is what we're going to be talking about tonight as well as the squad. So if you haven't had a look at that, please do. We're talking about previous games against the two sides. We're talking about match previews. We've had some great stuff. We had a great interview with Mark Evans. All of that is on our uh, Game of Willard online magazine, which is electronic free from fans for fans so if you go to colemanhadadream.com you will be able to see 
the uh, little tab at the top of the page, which will take you to get more ladders. You can free, like I say, you can download it. All of that stuff and a lot more is there. We're talking about who should take Wales' free kicks by one of our new writers, Paul O'Brien. So there's a, a real plethora of stuff there. Um, award-winning journalist. I always get entertained by saying that. Fraser Watson has done a great article for us on Aaron Ramsey. We've got some great artwork on there um, by Owen Lacey and a friend of mine, Ollie Whitfield. So there is a real... Uh, Real, what was the word you used? Fissant, but I'm trying to, I'm not quite sure how you're going to apply that. Not, I just feel like fissant of quality, but does that not work? I, does that not work? <laughs> I don't really know what it means. Yeah. Um, anyway, go and have a look at it. It is great. Um, so, all of everything that we're going to be talking about tonight, obviously, a lot of squad predictions was part of that. So, let's talk about the squad now. Um, Oh, do you know what? Before we get to that, I did want to ask you one question, which was, what did you think of the song? We're talking about the the Mike Peters song, presumably, yeah? yeah? Yes. Uh, bit underwhelmed, to be perfectly <laughs> honest. Um, but then, it is what it is. There's, it's, there's very few good tournament-related football songs. I mean, I wasn't expecting anything particular. Um, yeah. Just, yeah. <laughs> I agree entirely. Um, I think old underwhelming is the perfect word to use there. Um, obviously, there's some some big things that we've seen that have obviously of, of players who've been included and players who've missed out. Um, if we start with the notable uh, ins, um, I think they are kind of the, the most uh, relevant topical things. So let's start with Ruben Colwell. Um, you know, I'm. You know, we're going to go out on a limb here and say neither of us saw this happening. So, what's your what's your thoughts on that? Well, it's a big surprise. Um, he. It's clear from what Paige was saying at the end of the squad announcement that he's obviously had a big impact in both the EFL sessions, training session, and the and the trip to Portugal. And has, you know, he's clearly done enough to make a case. I I am surprised. Um, you know, he's he's had a monumental rise he's gone from uh was it first game in first game in february i think for yeah. cardiff first first under 21s was that game against the republic in march so it's not like he's been even hammering on the door at under 21s level for you know for a season or two um but clearly he's impressed um i was i was fortunate to sit in on the the full faw press conference that he did uh, Tuesday or Wednesday, um, and he came across very well. Uh, so I can see how he's one for the future. Um, I, I do think it's it's interesting uh, who has been left out. It's probably probably a combination of Matondo or Lawrence that's been left out for him to be included. Um, I feel I feel bad for those two. I feel bad for Lockyer. Um, I think Brennan Johnson was probably always on the edge of, yeah. of including. And actually, I think ironically, the fact that Lincoln, that, well, they've gone out today, but I think the fact that they did well has worked against him because he wasn't in a position to be in the EFL camp and, and go to Portugal. So I think that's actually um, ended up as a, you know, good for him from sort of Lincoln's progressions point of view, but bad for him from an international point of view, unfortunately. Um, I have some thoughts on what what their inclusion what Levitt and 
Caldwell's inclusion might be saying about the squad and our concerns. But um, I, th- I just want to note really that I, f- I feel bad for I feel bad for Lockyer in particular. I feel bad for Lawrence. Um, it's interesting that we have this kind of loyalty, not loyalty thing going on yeah. where there's, it feels like there's some players that are in there kind of on time served. And as much as I love Gunter, I think you could make a case that he's kind of in that category. Um, I think he's I think he's a useful addition back there. Don't get me wrong, but I I, I think um, I think you can make that argument. And I, I I think Lawrence in particular, and I know you have your reservations about it, but I think Lawrence in particular, and perhaps Lockyer to a lighter extent. It 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 just me- I, I suppose as part of me just it just makes me a little uncomfortable in the kind of the dynamic. Um, of that and how that's being handled. But, you know, there was always going to be a finite number. There was always going to be some people disappointed. I suppose it is what it is. I think, uh, to just go back to your Gunter point there quickly, I I think, I know what you're saying, but he's never let us down, always been reliable for us. And I don't really think there's anyone else there that would come in. And I know you obviously Lockyer, but I, I am, I'm going to go out on a limb and assume that that is as much a fitness decision as it is a footballing mm-hmm. decision. So I don't think... Yeah, I mean, the I can see if they've, if they've got any reservations about his fitness, then I can understand it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so I, I just... I don't know. I, I, don't, I don't really buy that. I think that that's... I think, yes, time served, but also I think he has enough to offer. We saw that in the Mexico game as an example of that where I think he has enough to offer. So I, I, I'm okay with that. I think the loyalty argument is a bit of an interesting one in the sense that there's a few players there in and around the squad. You know, let's look at Colwell. Uh, you know, great for him. And like you said, Brennan John, Johnson not being there, that's probably gone against him that, that the Lincoln have done so well. Is that going to, you know, rile the players that Brennan Johnson's in, uh, is out, sorry, and Ruben Coles? Well, probably not. I think the ones you're looking at that would maybe rile people would possibly be Rabi because he's been in and around the squad the whole time and has missed out for, you know, a lad who's played six games for Cardiff City. Um, that would that would rile me. Equally, uh, you know, I know Levitt has had his a role to play in the, uh, the squad so far in that he's, you know, has contributed some games recently, but you know, in a big enough way to justify himself getting in, I, I, I'm not sure. So, I mean, I, I think the the long and short of it is, in my view, is that yes, it's a surprise. I yes, I wouldn't have made those decisions. Are they both wasted picks in a sense? Well, no, not really. Is Levitt, you know, notably better than? let's say Volks, I would have chosen Volks, but is he notably better that he's going to make a difference to the outcome of matches? I, I don't think so. The one will, I would say, is maybe Colwell, it, it, could Brennan Johnson make a difference to a match in a better way perhaps than Colwell? Maybe he could. But if you said that, you're kind of, you're splitting hairs to an extent. And I think that the Lawrence one is the, is, is the interesting one. Because if you've called him up to camp, he was obviously in and around things. I, I don't know why you would do that if you're if you're not going to pick him. Um, and it, but then again, the loyalty thing is this is the flip there because I don't think he really had much to do with this campaign uh, to get us to the Euros. So it's a really interesting kind of uh, 
dynamic, I guess, is the, is the word I'm looking for. But um, is there is there like I said, I just wanted to mention, uh, just talk about the midfielders for one more sec. Is I think the thing that comes across for me is if you look at the numbers who have gone in central midfield, if you think right, we've got to, we play with two holders, Ampadu, Morel, Joe Allen, Levitt, Smith. There's five players there, and only two of them are going to play. You could make the argument that maybe Rambo and Johnny even could kind of drop into those central midfield spaces if we needed to. So you're there looking at maybe seven players to play in two positions. I think there is that says to me there are definite concerns over the fitness of Ampadu and Allen. I know we've been told a lot of positive noises, but I think that has gone a long way perhaps to put in uh, Dylan Levitt in the squad. Obviously, we know that Volks isn't going to be around it, unfortunately. So there was going to be someone else, and I guess that kind of explains that decision, if that makes sense. Yeah, I think what I take from I take two things from these decisions to kind of stack the midfield. One is um, the fact that Lockyer's the fact that Lockyer's not going kind of makes me a little more confident about Ben Davies's fitness. Because I think you might have you might have slotted him in if you were concerned there. I do also think it's when you look at the midfield, you've, there's a whole group of players there who may all actually technically on paper be fit now, but have a reputation for being the ones that get niggles or pulls or hamstrings. Or you've got Ampadu, Allen, Morel's been battling injury all season, Ramsey. Ramsey. Johnny, Brooks, you could kind of put Bale in that category even as well. But there's a whole collection of them that, that historically have a tendency to have issues. And I, therefore, I wonder if the inclusion of Levitt and to a lesser extent Colwell because of where he plays, but whether they're in because you just want to, you know, stock, stack the numbers in that part of the field. I the, the bit that doesn't make sense to me is if you were going to do that, then it probably would have been Tom Wommelowitz I would have taken because of his experience. Yeah. Um, but it does make me a little worried about that gaggle of players we have in the middle of the field that have a tendency to be injury prone. And I'm not saying that that necessarily means it's the case now. I, th- I just wonder whether it's a statement about what you think a tournament might, the dynamics of a tournament might mean for this collection of players. Yeah, I, 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 I know what you mean. It's it's an interesting one. And to be fair, I think, you know, the long and short of it is that it's, it's not a bad squad, is it? You know, in terms of depth-wise, I would say that we've got a, a more depth in the squad now than we did in 2016. Um, you know, looking looking at some of the tweets I just posted out on Twitter, if people kind of mentioned, uh, said stuff now, I'll try and kind of get you on board. Um, and uh, Ross uh, tweeted us and said a stronger squad than 2016 and I and I would tend to agree with that mm-hmm. um, he's, he's also mentioned having another attacker over a fullback or centre mid which is uh, that is the one reservation I do have and we'll get to that in a sec but I do think whatever happens now it's done we need to kind of get on and support the boys because it is a strong squad you know it's, it is a lot of um, uh, quality there and a lot of positivity to be had so I think that's that's really important that we that we kind of take that forward Um the, the other thing, Dave, was, sorry, from the from the 26 was, we've said several times, haven't we, that there's there's probably really about 16 or 17 that you're actually perming your starting 11 from. Yeah. Um, 
And I wonder as well whether Page and Co had, had become fairly settled on their 23, you know, long before even the EFL camp, that they basically knew, give or, give or take a, a serious injury, they basically knew who their 23 were. Yeah. So they said, actually, we know who our 23 are. We know the 16 we're actually going to perm from. Are we going to use the extra three? And you've made this point in previous podcasts, actually. Are we going to use the extra three just as a kind of let's soak them in as much experience as we can because we're going to need them over the next decade? And maybe the way Colwell came across in the in the two camps was like, well, this is someone who could actually pre pretty important for us going forward not now but pretty important for us going forward do we want him to have the experience and i'm not sure that i i'm not sure i agree with that as a premise but i can see it as a premise that we'll we'll we know who our 23 are let's let's just have free hits with the extra three yeah, that is the reality, and that's the, the point I was getting at, really. I, I, I would still make the argument a little bit, uh, but I am, you know, going back on what I said four seconds ago, but I do think, like, you look at Johnson, for example, he's played 40 games for Lincoln this year, he's got 10 goals, 12 assists, you know, I'm sure Colwell has been great this week, I, I don't, you know, I don't, I, don't, I don't doubt that, but in terms of what actually can have an impact, well, both of those players are players for the future, really, you know, they would both gain from the experience, I think it it's just a bit weird that you would pick the lad who's not but that I get I, I don't know but maybe they're looking at on, along the lines of Brennan Johnson is young he is going to be involved a lot in the future he's played 40 games this year he's you know he's going to be knackered Colwell is going to come in he's going to be bright he's going to be energetic he's going to be full of beans he's going to be relatively well rested he's going to be fresh you know let's give him a go because like I said neither of these players are actually really going to come in and you know change anything you know you'd be surprised if any of them got on so we're arguing the toss really about like you said two players that are not gonna I would be surprised if they make much of an impact on the tournament just because you like you say we're picking from 16 really the one thing I did want to reference and then I will actually follow and heed my own advice is just the the striker options only because, you know, we and again, we've talked about this before, and I'm not advocating for Doidge or Jeff Cott or Robert Earnshaw to come back. He looked in great nick in that in those <laughs> videos, didn't he? Fair play to him. Weird accent, um, but uh, he looked in great nick. I think the reality of the squad there is, if you look at that from what they traditionally do, our players, I think we only have one actual centre-forward in the squad, and that does worry me a little bit, only because Kiefer Moore's clearly plan B. I would guess that either Ramsey or Bale or Wilson are going to be our false nine. Um, and then Kiefer is plan B, which is fine. So what if Kiefer gets injured? Well, then plan B goes out the window. And if we need a plan B, it basically becomes plan A, but with a different person. And that does really worry me because, you know, the whole point of Kiefer Moore is that he is a change of style. He's a change of approach. All he needs is to be able to miss a match, you know, in a, in a short space of time, and that's going to have a negative impact on us. So I do really worry that, uh, you know, it's a it's a it's a bizarre thing to me that we've we're going to a major tournament with one recognised centre forward. Can't disagree. I mean, it's been something we've been discussing for oh, I don't know two. 18 months at least that they need you need to know if Kiefer Moore is suspended for a game but you want to you want to play that style who who who's coming in Perfect example. and we haven't we haven't even we haven't even rehearsed that 
Um, and I think ultimately, because we haven't even rehearsed that, it's reached a point where there wasn't an option to choose because we haven't tried to embed Hal as an option or even, I don't know, the, the guys you were listing. Um, so I think ultimately, I, I don't think we've had a rehearsal of who is our substitute for Kiefer Moore. So on that basis, I can understand why no one was chosen because yeah, nobody fair. has had the opportunity to show that they can do it. Um, but ultimately, it's a concern because, as you say, even if he he is the last 20 minutes, we need to stir up the game. What are you doing if you haven't got him? Yeah. What's the stir exactly. at that point? And that's why, again, you know, we're talking about I, I would have taken Hal out. You know, I'm sure there's reservations. Obviously, uh, you know, what happened in the last camp will have had an impact on, on that decision massively. Um, but again, I would have taken him for that reason, is that if something happens to keep for more, Plan B doesn't exist anymore. Um, I do, so again, Just again, just some great things we're having on Twitter. So thanks to everyone who's kind of posting in as we're, as we're recording this. But Nick Latham, as like I said, made a great point. No more talk of rivalry or who deserves to be in. Everyone needs to support these 26 players, and that's absolutely true. Um, at Massive Sausages, which is a great <laughs> Twitter name, uh, is he says, the fact that we have enough players so that people are disappointed about their lack of inclusion is a positive. I trust Robert Page. That's a very good way of looking at it, I thought. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm just going to try and scan forward. Um, the, a few, to be fair, you know, there are a few questions being asked of of Livet. Um, Sam has, has said, "Why Livet over the others? Um, what is exactly does he do that makes him better in the team than Sheen or Rabi? I just see as one for the future, which is an interesting way to look at it." Um, at mm-hmm. Shirt Lane has, has made some great points. The one I, I, I I've actually just I just said that a second ago about picking extra midfielders because of injury worries with Alan Ampadu and Ramsey, which you mentioned as well. Um, so yes, some some good points there as well. So um, it's 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 an interesting squad, and I think the stuff on the fringes is it's not as big as a deal as we're making it is it i think in reality it's not like aaron ramsey's been dropped no no i mean i think we've we've made the point in the various discussions we've had of sort of developing the squad that what you're, you're arguing about the guys from about number 21 upwards on the list and then you're picking four or five out of eight or nine and you can make a case for in and out for each of those people yeah, Jonathan Lewis mentions that moving to 26 has effectively created fewer hard choices, which is very true. Um, the extra reason maybe that Colwell has got in over someone like uh, Brennan Johnson might be that he's had an extra week working with the, with the staff and, and getting used to the system and everything else, which is a, again is a very good point. Um, Matondo's yet to stand out, Jonathan says again, which I, I do agree with, which is fair. Paul uh, at Seven Puzzle has said that this is the time that Tyler Roberts has to start performing to uh, something that again I've often uh, agreed on here. But yeah, Gareth Pierce, who writes for us, thank you, Gareth, for, for all you all you do for us, has said he's been watching Ruben uh, in the under twenty threes for most of the season, and it'll be a great experience for him. So, you know, I think the overriding feeling from a lot of the fans on on social media is that this is. Everything is a positive, you know, a few questions, sure, but ultimately a lot of positives. Yeah, don't. Uh, I mean, I think, that I've, I'm sorry, I lost track of who said it, but I think that point that we actually have, we're debating the number 25 and 26 on our squad list, exactly. which is like, that's amazing. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and that wouldn't have happened, you know, 
No. Like, well, I mean, you'd have, had tru- have... you'd have had trouble finding number twenty five yeah. and number twenty six not so long ago. Even even in twenty sixteen, I think if you were the twenty third, twenty second, and the twenty third, you know, you just were Welsh, not a pair of boots. I think I think you were, I think you, I think you and me were the two best out in uh, in twenty sixteen. Um, yeah. So the yeah the only thing that uh, I want the just uh, just the last thing I wonder how what if this has a negative effect going forward for someone like Brennan Johnson and obviously I'm sure he's been in the conversation or Rabi Matondo where he's turned up for every camp he's done everything he's played in some of the games um contributed in in certain places especially in the Nations League and then you get to the big one and you're dropped I I, I do worry that that kind of have a negative effect but I you know that it's always going to happen to someone isn't it Agreed. I also think, um, I, I don't think it was discussed on the announcement, but, but it's my understanding that a few of the players are actually staying on because we're allowed some injury subs, we're allowed some oh, COVID-affected, okay. you know, within the 26. So obviously to keep people in the in the bubble, they've actually, that you know, some of them will be staying on. Now, I don't know if that's like, that good for your psyche or not i don't i don't, oh, I don't know yeah. um I but it would be interesting it'd be interesting to find out who's in that category who's yeah. who's in the kind of you know next man up category because yeah. those those players have got to stay in the in the in the bubble with the rest of the 26 yeah i wonder if someone like lockyer might be in that bubble just on the basis he might that extra bit of time might get himself to uh, give himself <laughs> a chance sorry to get fit maybe if, if something happens um let's talk about actual football matches uh, rather <laughs> than people who may or may not play in them um obviously we're playing the french first uh i looked through this ruth as i did with the uh, the belgium team when we did a preview there um france have lost one game in the last 22 in all competitions <laughs> do you know who they lost to Have a sense of no. Guess. I know they, drew, they was it the Ukraine that they drew with recently, wasn't it? It was. was. That, a draw? Yeah, that was a draw. I don't. Yeah. Who did that? Oh well, it was. Was it Portugal in the Euros? Am I? Am I not going far enough back? No, no, no. You're going too far back there. It okay. Was, sorry. Yeah, too far back. Yeah. Sorry. It was. Uh, the reason I said have an educated guess is because it was Turkey who we are obviously <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> playing uh, in a couple of weeks. Yeah, they beat them two nil. Um, in that time as well, like you look through some of them and the the opposition they've played because of the the Nations League group that they're in the top tier, they've beaten Uruguay, Croatia, Denmark, Sweden, Portugal, um, Albania as well. Obviously, a nice little link there. They've they've, they've been there as well. Um, in those twenty two games, they've scored four goals six times and conceded just twelve goals, um, which I would describe as fairly decent statistics. <laughs> yeah i mean i was looking at their squad and trying to work out what would be their a team and um, b team and you look at their notional b team and i think it's fairly notional and they'd probably be ranked top 10 in the world themselves wouldn't they if you put out the b team um so that squad is frightening frightening depth to it yeah i mean if you look at the teams you know that they're representing Marseille, Lille, Spurs, Real Madrid, Sevilla, Everton, Bayern Munich, PSG, Chelsea, Barcelona, Lyon, Man United, Juventus, <laughs> Atletico Madrid, who just won the league, Monaco, Borussia Mönchengladbach. Like they have, it is terrifying. I think uh, is the is the right way to say it. What I will say is that they um, 
a lot of these players, obviously, this is just a friendly anyway, but a lot of these players have been involved in in mm-hmm. finals or later games, important games, which means I think they will be rested. Like Man City have rested players for a long time ahead of the Champions League final because obviously the league was done and dusted, whereas in France um, and in Spain, those players involved have obviously kind of been battling through to the, to the last day when Atletico Madrid, for example, won the league. So it's, uh, you know, I, I don't think a lot of those big-name players, plus the lads who played in the cup finals, like Zuma, uh, Pogba, Kante... Giroud, uh, I don't think any of those are likely to kind of be involved against us. I would, I would guess. I'm not quite sure how they'll play it because the reintegration of Benzema is really interesting. Yeah. I think the dynamic that that could bring, um, it'll probably cross Giroud his place, and um, he is very popular within the squad, um, and. I'm just interested to see if this dynamic might end up backfiring on them. Um, I do think it means that we might well see Benzema in this game because it's it's an opportunity for them to, for them to try and you know integrate him back. And then if you and then if you're going to play him, is there much point playing him without the players that you'd have either side of him? Um, you know, so it's I, I actually think it's quite an interesting one for. Uh, for them in terms of the sort of the, the, the flow of their preparations. Um, if you, if you think he's, it's p- possibly potentially ultimately going to be Benzema flanked by Griezmann and Mbappe, then do they need this game together? Yeah. Um, that's a good point. So I, I, I'm not quite sure what to make of it really in terms of what either team is trying to get out of it. Um, I think I think we have a difficulty in that we've we've got a whole bunch of players that were kind of cotton wooling. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and then you've got a bunch of players that haven't played since May the 8th when when the EFL the standard EFL season closed. So you want them to get some game time, but you know, do you want Johnny Williams going out and maybe getting a knock? Let's say. No, just yeah. as an example. Yeah, I know what you mean. Be- because I'll, I'm, I'm, it's it's always really uh, I, these games are always a real dilemma, and I think um, the Albania game I can I can see as putting out effectively our B team, effectively the the Mexico team, yeah, you yeah. know, in terms of who we of who we played. But the French one is a lot different because the the last thing you want is just is to put out the B team and get savaged. Yeah. But but equally, I don't particularly want to see. Ampadu or Allen, you know, going out there. I, th- I think there might be a case for, um, I think one of the questions you posed in, in our kind of chat bef- before was was the goalkeeper situation. I do, I do think whoever ultimately we see as our starting goalkeeper has to start this game because the goalkeepers have just got to get some miles under, under their belt. And I think you can make the same argument for Rodden because he's played so little for Spurs and if you're going to pay him you might as well play him with the partner that you foresee being his partner in the tournament if we're going to play three at the back which I suspect we are those three have got to get used to each other because it it's probably going to be a different three than we've had in recent games so there's there's I keep coming back to this argument of the purpose of the game 
if we're if we're trying to develop some partnerships and develop some patterns of play, then it needs to be close to your starting eleven. But I worry about what that means for the for the players that were cotton wooling. It's an interesting little concept, isn't it? Because, you know, like you said uh, the, about Benzema, like he, I, I think the logic is he's got to start the game against us because otherwise, yeah. what's the point? You know, he's you know yeah. he needs to get used to the thing. The flip side of that for us is, I would say, there's people Rodden being one of them, and I would be definitely starting Chris Meppham, who looked like a frightened toddler against uh, Brentford in the playoffs. Bless him, he was he was it was a mess. Um, he he definitely needs some game time. The flip side of that coin is, if you want this lad to build his confidence up, do you want his confidence to be built up against, uh, you know? The, the the best striker in Spain this season, basically. Like, mm-hmm. mm, I don't yeah. think that's a good idea. Equally, like you mentioned Joe Allen wrapping him up in cotton wool, yeah. But equally, he may well need some sort of match fitness. And I'd rather he runs mm-hmm. around a lot against the team with, you know, and not everyone's going to be given 100%, are they? Because they both teams are in the tournament. Whereas Albania, yeah. they couldn't give a shit. They've got nothing to lose. That You know, that might turn into something. And, you know, it's a bit of a uh, an interesting situation. I... I I don't know. I've never kind of been a big thing about building the partnerships in, in, in these sort of friendly games. Only because they do so much training and stuff together. I know it's not the same. But I feel like if you're going to... It's not like they just play and then don't speak to each other for 10 days. Like, they're going to be yeah. training together every day. So I, I'm not I'm not that fussed about the partnership build-up. I think it's more about picking the players who need some sort of run into it. Like, Aaron Ramsey is another good example. He's really not played much for for Juve uh, toward the tail end of the season. Does he need a couple of runouts just to you know get the you know blow the cobwebs away so to speak and and get himself ready for action? I, it's it's a really interesting dynamic I think in in how a lot of this stuff is done, um, which obviously makes a lot of you know the decisions a lot more uh, complicated. Um, the 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 biggest thing I suppose is going to be. Um, should this be how we start the tournament in terms of our, you know, our lineup tactically rather than the the personnel? I think tactically it makes sense, doesn't it? To, if, assuming that we're going with a kind of three or five at the back, you know, depending on how you look at the wing backs, two two holding midfield and three three offensive players in some form. Um, I think it makes sense to if that's the formation we imagine starting games with and Kiefer Moore coming on, as, as we've mentioned, as our yeah. kind of like last 20 minutes, we need something different kind of option, then I don't see why you wouldn't play that basic system in both of these games because you you want... Either you're, either you're using it as a way to give the, the starting 11, and there's no way I think we'll put our starting 11 out against France, but you're either using it as a way to get your starting 11 used to each other or you're, you're, you've got half the starting 11 and you've got half the B team and you need, you need people to be comfortable in positions because you don't know when they're going to have to substitute for someone. So one of the few pluses I can see about playing these games is that you play the, sis, you play the system. Yeah. And you, and you get people used to their role in the system. Um, and you look at some versatility. You look at where, you know, I'm not for one minute suggesting we we play Johnny as a, a right wing back. But you look, you know, you look at what uh, different people can do within 
within your 26 and how and how you might be able to utilize them in sort of emergency situations i, I think yeah, it's good. a really hard pair of games actually because i i think you're right i think the the french one we just could be really nasty even if they put out their b team we could we could come out of that with a four nil you know and and the Albanians, as you said, they've got the game against us, and then they go and play the the Czechs, I think. But that, you know, that's it for their season. They've they've got some momentum going. They've had a a nice run in the Nations League. They got a couple of wins in their qualifiers. They're looking to embed some new young players. They need to address how they're going to score, and that you know that's one of the key things they're working on. So for them, it's going to be a real game, and um, and I think. I think in fairness, when we played Mexico for Mexico, it was a real game. Um, I think they came at it very seriously and, and our B team handled it well. So I'm, I'm less worried about that. I'm more worried about, you know, the sort of heavy nature of the game and um, what, what it might take out of players. But I think, it's a di- I think it's a really difficult balance with these two games about what you want to achieve from them. I think uh, and what- I suppose the key thing is you want to, you want to, look at the system and you want to not get anyone injured yeah and that's what i was going to say you're right you know we don't want anyone to get injured it is a chance for some people to get some match fitness if it's needed ultimately though like you look back at 2016 we lost three nil to sweden i think before we 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 had the tournament i think we drew one one i think it was with northern ireland so that was much earlier the only immediately kind of pre pre tournament game was the swedish game wasn't it so you look at it in that sense. Well, bloody hell, we're gonna, we might be in trouble here. And then we played Slovakia, who I think, from memory, I think they beat Germany and Spain in their pre-tournament friendlies. And you're thinking to yourself, bloody hell, these lads look good, and we've just lost to Sweden. We, we might be in a bit of bother. But then it just, it just, just it doesn't doesn't matter, does it? So I, I think, as a consequence, what I'm trying to say is. I ultimately don't mind what we do. I don't care if it goes well. I don't care if it goes badly. Uh, you know, obviously, it'd be great to win. But as long as people don't get hurt, I, I, everything else, be it tactics or all the other stuff, I really, really don't think it matters. You can have lots of, you know, you know, this person could do with a bit of form and this person could do with the other. But I don't really think it matters. Like you know, Ben Davis is another one, for example. Like he might, does he need game time? Well, he's fit as a fiddle. Like he, I, I reckon he'll be all right. You know, do we want to risk injuring him? Like all of these extra questions that we're mm-hmm. asking. I think the fundamental is it doesn't matter, which is not helpful when you're trying to do a, <laughs> a football podcast. But I, I I think that I think that is the the factor that matters. To be honest, you you mentioned Albania there before we kind of talk about that game. Just great to have fans back there and you know i think six and a half thousand people are going to be there so if you're one of the lucky few who've got a ticket congratulations uh, and uh, have a beer for us not from us but for us um <laughs> it's, it's great to have people back in the grounds isn't it it is it's been it's made such a difference actually over the last few weeks even the kind of the few thousand that have been at some some stage you, you make such a difference to the energy and the and the kind of reality of of the game somehow i know that sounds strange that you know three points is three points but there's it just feels more real and i can't explain that clearly really um i suppose it's just 
the fact that you feel like it's moving a little bit closer to to normal well whatever our normal is going to be going forward but a, a bit closer to normal and i th- i think there's something quite um strangely energizing about that isn't it that it's like yeah we are progressing we're getting somewhere and um y- y- the, uh, I'm, I'm pleased for the FAW that well, one they've had. It sounds like they've had a nightmare trying to get the tickets out yeah. to the Albanian game. So well done on them navigating that. Um, but also, I know when Mark was on the, the last podcast, he was saying that they hope to get six thousand, six and a half thousand sorted. Um, so I'm glad they've been able to pull that all together. And it'll be really interesting to see how how they tackle it because you know he was he was explaining that they're using the the car parks as kind of almost like concourse space and this sort of thing. So I I think it's actually been interesting to see how different grounds have tackled it. You know, you looked at what was happening at the Liberty versus what was happening at Rodney Parade and, um, and just good on everybody for, for, I mean, I know it's a faff and I know you've got to do tests and you've, you know, you've got to stand on the one little, I mean, I had to smile at the, 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 the terrace stand at Rodney Parade where there was literally like little footprints yeah. and you had to stand there and, and bless some people did because, you know, this was the first event yeah. and they had to get it right, you know. Um, and uh, so, yeah, just good on people for for because it, it can't be pleasant. I mean, all the ancillary stuff can't be pleasant. Obviously, you want to go to the game. Yeah. Um, but good on people just just getting their heads down and ticking yeah. the boxes and exactly. doing it right, basically. So, yeah, well done if you've got a ticket and we are jealous. Um, <laughs> looking at the Albania game a little bit, like you obviously have done a, a match preview uh, about the Albania game in our Game Allard magazine. So I would definitely recommend people kind of check it out. Thank you as well to Ryan Jewell, who has done the France pre-match preview as well. Um, they're quite a hard team to predict how they're going to play. I, like Looking back at the way they've set up, they did this weird 3-3-3-1 against San Marino, 3-5-2 against Andorra, 4-3-3 against England. Do you think they just kind of someone just turns up on those little old, <laughs> like the, the little magnet whiteboard things, and he just has a load of numbers and like just picks eleven balls out of a bag and just throws them at a screen and just sees what happens? Because it does look a little bit like that. Because um, to be fair, they had, though, they had a on. terrible they had a terrible time with COVID issues and trying to get oh, really? players, particularly in this last March window, trying to get their, their players are obviously scattered all across well not even just all across europe they've got players in other parts of the world as well and um they had a terrible time getting people back so as much as you laugh about throwing the magnets at the whiteboard i'm not sure they could do anything much different (laughs) in the march in the march games because they had they had those players could go to that venue those could go there these could come home but couldn't travel and all this sort of thing Um, and that was uh, without the usual mix of um injuries they're an interest they're an interesting side they're very they're very strong at the back and are, and still trying to find their way at, at the front um jim ziti who plays for atalanta and has been pretty key in atalanta's rise over the last couple of years center back um and ishmali who also who also plays in italy for calcia they're their kind of go-to center back partnership and then there's a younger player um kumbala who is a at roma who is kind of knocking on the door and it'll be interesting to see if they ultimately actually go to a three at the back because it's clearly where their strength is um <coughs> sorry excuse me 
Whereas at the front, they're having real trouble scoring. And they've, they've been mixing and matching all sorts of players in attack to try and find some goals. So, you know, for example, in the last 10 games, just to show their strength is at the back in the last 10 games, they've kept, kept five clean sheets. So they're going to be difficult to break down. I think assuming we'll be playing the kind of B team ally we played against the US and Mexico, I think we might have trouble breaking them breaking them down um and that in some respects that might have been the decision to um to play against them because that's you know go, although we've got better scoring goals has been our problem so yeah. let's practice against someone who is tight at the back and like a lot of countries they're obviously looking at their sort of diaspora and you know finding grannies in different places uh, uh, there's a striker who is actually chelsea chelsea's um but has spent this season playing in in Vitesse in um, in Holland with you guys, um, um, called Armando uh, Breuer, uh, who was actually born in Slough oh. and has been on the Chelsea books for a long time. He's nineteen, so presumably he he and Ethan Ampadu, you know, know each other yeah. given their given their respective ages. Um, and like I said, he's been he's been playing in the uh, area division and he's scored eleven goals in thirty one games there. Uh, so it wouldn't surprise me if they're looking to try and sort of integrate integrate him in. He he managed to play two of the three games in March. So so they're at an interesting point in that they're sort of on the rise. They've had, a, like I said, they had a good Nations League campaign and won their uh, pot C group, and obviously will be will be pushed up into B. Um, and and they're still you know they're still trying to find themselves a little bit. They're in a difficult World Cup group um they're in england's group and yeah. they'll be working to try and pit hungary for the for the second place in that i mean i think they'll be a good test for the b team put it like that yeah i i think that's the thing it will be a good test and i think their variety i think is is the thing that makes them an interesting <laughs> team like you said they got players there playing for atalanta for roma um you know uh, belong to Chelsea obviously playing in, in the Netherlands as well so they are quite a mixed team and like you said there they've, they've been on quite a good run recently they've scored four clean sheets in the last seven I think I saw um you know they they have you know they've haven't got loads of goals in them but they have got enough about them um mm-hmm. so yeah it's it's, it's going to be an interesting an interesting game um in in the context of how they play it and there's a couple of those younger guys who I'm intrigued to see how they kind of step up and what because they're obviously it's a very valuable exercise for them they're going into uh, pot B that's probably why they took the game it's the sort of team that normally they'll be coming up against obviously we've gone up to to the A stream now but like that sort of thing so that that's a valuable game for them in that in that sense and i think they will probably be looking for for teams that are a step above like wales because they I think they were in with lithuania belarus and someone else so kazakhstan, kazakhstan that's right so like the, you know decent headline stats but also against teams who aren't going to set the world on fire so i think this is a you know a bit of a step up for them looking like you said trying to pip hungary um you know these are the sort of games that they kind of need to get something out of so i guess this is a valuable exercise for them which kind of does um you know maybe make it a bit edgy in the in the sense that you the last thing you need is you know gareth bale coming on in the last 10 minutes and someone's absolutely riled up about this friendly and you know rips his rips his knees apart or something like you know what i mean like i i hope won't come into that but you'd imagine really for this one that bar maybe five minute cameo none of the none of the big names are getting a game here right i i wouldn't even have them on from a cameo to be perfectly honest i'd have them 
running along the sideline, warming up in inverted commas, waving to the crowd and and leave it at that. Yeah. Leave it at that, definitely. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I think this is your opportunity where you're going to, maybe this is where Colwell gets his debut. Um, this is where you may be looking at someone like Johnny Williams. You know, maybe this is a chance for Tyler Roberts to get his first goal for Wales. Um, you know, it'll be interesting to see who does get a game. But I think, like you say, it'll be very much um, our B team there. Um, I think, obviously, we obviously very excited about the games. We don't want to kind of waffle on too much um, because it is a friendly. There's so many unknowns. And obviously, we you know, there's teams like a team setups that we've kind of come up with in the build-up to this but obviously got scuppered by people not being picked in the squad so we don't want to kind of waffle on and go down that road too much so we just wanted to finish by having uh, just a quick mention a very brief mention of a few uh, big things that obviously happened in the world of Welsh football this weekend um, first of all uh, Swansea if we just have a quick chat through that Ruth I know you haven't seen much of the game but it was one of the worst performances I've seen from Swansea this year, quite underwhelming, and obviously 2-0 down within 20 minutes or so, it was less than ideal situation, to say the least. But uh, I, I just worry that that was a real... They really kind of didn't turn up on the day, I think. Yeah, I got I got up early yesterday morning, Saturday morning, um, to catch the end of the Wrexham game and then watch the Swansea game, and yeah. very much wish I'd... Either stayed in bed or or got or got up early enough to watch the Carnarvon Newtown game, which yeah. we'll come to. Um, yeah, I think ironically, both of the both Swansea and Wrexham are similarly kind of passive in in two ga- two key two key games. Obviously, yeah. um, I think it's as poor a performance as I've seen. Swan, well, certainly what I've seen this season. Um, it, it was it was just a very it was a very strange game and I think it um, it it kind of reflects what they've been over the last maybe three months you know the end of the season wasn't good really I mean there were there were the odd good performance but sort of holistically it wasn't good and that that seems to kind of come to a pinch point yesterday and I think the frustration really is that Brentford had to do so little for it i think it's one thing if you i mean going out in a a playoff final is horrible don't get me get me wrong but i think if you've if you feel you've put your best foot forward and you've played well and you've been beaten by the better team who perform better on the day and they've had to work for it then that's one thing but but to know that they had to do so little really i think it must be quite hard on the psyche yeah i mean it was the first playoff game that Brentford have won which I thought was a bonkers uh, a flat final obviously sorry that they've won uh, which I think was a was a bonkers uh, statistic so yeah I mean uh, just very quickly decision for the pen and a red card uh, they're both you know the, the red card's definitely a red card for me I think he, he stood on his heel by accident but then the thing how he's followed through and kind of jumped into him uh, is definite red for me and for the pen it's one of those that I the thing one of the things I hate about football now but Unfortunately, he's touched him and he's gone down. So that's you know that's that's the end of it, really. I think it's a penalty in twenty twenty one. Whether it's actually a penalty yeah. is ultimately is I, I think it probably isn't. Um, but if if you're trying to be consistent with the with the rules now, it's a penalty. Yeah, I agree. And I don't think the keeper, obviously, a young lad from Newcastle, obviously, um, I don't think he's kind of covered himself in glory there. I think he's tried to make, he's given the decision, uh, the referee a decision to make, which is a, is a bit unnecessary, I thought. But um, 
to look at Wrexham, again, very disappointing. They finished the game with 10 men. Uh, substitute, was it Rutherford, I think, who came on and, and got yeah. sent off? He was on for about 10 minutes. minutes. <laughs> terrible um so yeah i was i was kind of trying to keep up with things as i was uh as going to the pub to watch that so kind of refreshing my phone all the time was uh yeah it was very frustrating obviously the the way that it's kind of washed out a draw i think probably would have been enough i think i'm right in saying so very frustrating no no they needed oh, they, they needed, needed a win really. by the end the way ah, the okay. results were going so um was, but, but yeah. very frustrating um that has resulted in one way, shape or form in Dean Keats has left the club today. There was an official statement made that his contract won't be renewed. So I know Wrexham are close to your heart, Ruth. So uh, I'll, I'll let you have your, share your thoughts. Well, it, it's been a strange old season. I think um, the, the disappointment is that it, it ended on that, that kind of somewhat sort of passive note yesterday. Uh, I think overall, ultimately, it's hopefully going to prove to be a very pivotal, very important season. I think that the changes that are being made already uh, are good to see. I think uh, the the energy that has been developed with the change in ownership is is very positive, and I, I think ultimately we have we have to kind of hang on to that and and see it as a, a start of something, uh, and and. The, I think if this had happened this time next year, I might feel very differently about it. But but for right now, there's a, there's enough good background things happening this season just to to take that on board and, and move forward over the summer. Yeah, I think that's the big thing, isn't it? You've got to you've got to look at this as being a big kind of stepping stone moment. And I think the new owners be looking at this as like, right, okay, we'll kind of clear out, start again, and this is our chance. We have to get this right this time. Um, that's the that's the big takeaway there. Um, on the uh, the teams in the English league, just a quick good luck to Newport. Obviously, uh, you know, regular listeners will know I have a big soft spot for Newport, so I'm, I'm really looking forward to that tomorrow. Um, really, really big game. Obviously, that semi final was <laughs> absolutely hilarious. Like from like the range of emotions. For within you know the space of half an hour was absolutely bonkers, but uh, lovely little finish uh, by Nicky Maynard at the end. I don't know how how many people have heard the interview with Mike Flynn on on Edge Foff, um from the weekend. I would definitely go and go and uh, recommend that you listen to that if you're a Newport fan. Like the way he talks about the goal and um, and just the experience of the day was very very entertaining. But he's a very level headed guy, so I, I love listening to Mike Flynn talk. He's uh, He's someone I would love to get on the podcast. If you're listening, Mike, um, <laughs> drop us a line. But uh, yeah, just uh, all all the best to Newport. I've got absolutely everything crossed for them. We're looking forward to the match tomorrow, and we'll be supporting them. So uh, good luck to Newport. It was an astounding game oh, that one at Forest Green. It was just absolutely mental. And I think the not just what was happening on the pitch as well. But the crowd and the rain and the state of the field and the puddles and the, it was it, just visually, it was just amazing to yeah. watch. It's one of those things that you love football for, isn't it? Just everyone is drenched and happy and then they're miserable <laughs> and then they're happy again. And Jamal Matt kind of laughing at people. Like, it was just like it was it was just great theatre, I think, uh, is the mm -hmm. best way to describe yeah. it. Um, they were not the only ones who could pull off a thrilling football match though the uh, the Europa League playoff uh, in the Cymru Premier League Carnarvon against Newtown if you yeah I mean like you, you you said that the the Newport game was mental this was 
beyond mental. Like it was such an unbelievable. I went so I, I watched the first. Was it probably twenty five minutes? I think when when Carnarvon went one nil up, and I had to go and do a few bit few bits and bobs. So I kind of left the TV on and made a phone call. And I came back and it was two one. Um, and that was just the perfect kind of setup for the game overall. Like every every time you turned your back for three seconds, someone had scored twelve goals. Like it was just <laughs> it was bonkers. And like Carnarvon seemed to start the game so well and in complete control for twenty minutes or so, and then it just became like a basketball match. Like your turn, my turn, your turn, my turn. It was uh, it was a nuts game of football. Great to see, even if they shouldn't have been there, the fans. It was just brilliant. Yeah, I mean. Coffee Army did their their bit to to try and turn it into a fans attended game, didn't they? I mean, don't don't get me started on the ridiculousness of some of the decisions around the, around the matches. I, I I just do not understand the rationale. For example, the Barry game, there was people could sit in the bar at the Barry clubhouse and watch the game, but could yeah. not stand in the stands. I mean, how? Just don't get me started. Um, but to go back to okay. back to Carnarvon, <laughs> you just you got a feel for them. A, a crazy game. They could and should perhaps have put it away a bit earlier. Um, but had to off to Newtown as well because that can't have been easy in that in that environment and being on the back foot so early in the game for for as you say probably the first twenty maybe even thirty minutes. Um, so good on them for sort of hanging on and then turning it around as well. And now we've just got the hope that we have a, a bit more successful European campaign. I know I know our coefficient has has gone down. We're ultimately going to ha- perhaps have less teams involved if we ca- if we can't up our our coefficient. So uh, we we need to do everything we can to support support these clubs going forward and having successful campaigns. Yeah, I totally agree. And and, and you know, maximum credit to Newtown. It was. Uh... A crazy, like I say, very entertaining game. They were very clinical, took their chances when they had them, and absolutely massive credit to them. So, um, yeah, good luck to them in the in the Europa League next year, and hopefully that they'll, they'll, you know, all of the Welsh teams will do well enough to kind of boost the the coefficient and 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 keep the the amount of teams that we can enter to these competitions at a, at a reasonable level. Um, I think Ruth, that uh, I think time is time. I think I need to go to bed. Um, <laughs> I, I need to eat. Yeah, yeah, you need lunch and I need bed. Um, so yeah, we will leave it there. Uh, thank you very much, everyone, for for listening. Thank you for your time, Ruth. As always. As always, yeah. I'm not sure we uh, we solved any problems. I, I still I still feel that whoever we're going to put out against France is a complete mystery to me. Yeah, 100. <laughs> percent I don't know what's going to happen in any of the games uh, in the, in the two friendlies. But uh, yeah, we will look forward to it either way. We have a load of quality content coming your way. We're going to do uh, reviews of the match uh, next week. Um, we have a Game Ollard special magazine coming out after these uh, two friendlies so we've still got uh, the second edition is out at the moment and you can uh, go and read everything that our great guest writers have written uh, and stuff that Ruth and I have contributed as well that will be out and available well forever but ultimately uh, until the end of the week and which point we will be having our second edition third edition sorry goodness me I'm tired our third edition will be going out a euro special um, again thanks to some great artwork some great contributions to, from people uh, it's all free electronic from fans for fans so please keep an eye out for that um please obviously subscribe and like and share everything that you hear if you like it on on your different platforms um also go and check out what we've got at cumry150.com uh, which is a new little venture we're trying uh, to get off the ground uh, with some fantastic hand-drawn a3 
prints. So please do go and check that out. That is my sales pitch done for the day. Um, thank you very much for listening, ladies and gentlemen, and we will speak to you soon. Goodbye. Bye-bye.